This is the Financial Coconut Podcast, Singapore's first personal finance podcast network. I'm your host, Reggie, aka Your Chief Financial Coconut. Every Wednesday, you'll be chilling with me and my guests, who are some of the quirkiest, geekiest people we can find on the internet about how they do money and life. Sit back, relax. We are a few days away from the weekend. Welcome to Chills with TFC. When it comes to the investing world, right? Maybe one way of looking at the choices that we have, all right, is to understand how the returns are generated. Because when you understand how the returns are generated, then you know whether is it risky or not. So for example, banks. Right? A lot of people say, oh, banks make a lot of money. Is uh, it true? Depends on the bank. <laughs> <laughs> Hey Coconut, welcome to Chills with TFC, where we sit down with the geekiest, quirkiest individuals to learn about how they do money and life. I'm your host Reggie, aka your Chief Financial Coconut, and today we continue our journey with Wieson. And yes, actually, right, side note, huh, I am trying to get him to teach at our program, so <laughs> if you hear an ad that I slot across all the episodes, then you know, Wieson is guest coaching at the All Weather Investment Program, but yeah, we haven't confirmed, right, so regardless, regardless, right, but this is an extension of last week's episode where we focus a little bit more on investment and risk training side of things so you know at some point we all as money managers of our own money have to move beyond income expenses budgeting and start to look at investment as a big piece of money management and by extension this whole idea of risk and risk management is so important and really i would say underappreciated so of course we said some really good stuff to share life not you know why would you be here right <laughs> so yes i am very excited to allow him to share with us a framework of thought around how to look at risk and of course sign up for our program our link is in the link tree link below but regardless regardless okay today is about risk management this is chill swift tfc Okay, welcome back to part two of Chills with TFC. And uh, we are back with Weeson again, right? Is there? Hi, Reggie. Yeah, you know, we don't need to act like we, you know, just went home and come back. Okay, we wear <laughs> same shirt, everything. <laughs> same position, right? Yeah, same shirt, everything. Relax, it's okay. Yeah, yeah but uh, I cannot let you go, lah. Just talking about all the good juice. Although although you did share a great story and, you know, um, I, I like some of the, the insights that you share about life making decisions, you know, in your career and mm. all that. But making decisions go beyond just career, right? And mm. uh, we are a personal finance podcast, lah, right? So we must talk about like financial decisions and, you know, risk, you know, making money and, you know, investing and all that jazz, right? Mm. So how can I let you go, right? <laughs> Talking like, about yeah, yeah, uh, yes. caveat, right? Yeah, I'm, caveat, I'm not caveat. certified. Mm. Uh. I'm not licensed. So yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's okay. Yeah. We're not here to give financial advice, yeah? But I, I want to pick your brain on decision making right and mm. maybe this big word of risk lah, right? mm. because it is a word that has been thrown around mm. in personal finance right so maybe we start with like what is considered a good decision wow first question so difficult already yeah, because it's part two already ma. don't need to lay up already right yeah. <laughs> well a good decision is when you understand yourself well in terms of how willing you are taking risks and how able you are taking risks and the goal that you are pursuing. And of course, you can't do that without not understanding what you are buying, mm. right? So if the good decision is based on, oh, I know how it works. I know when it will go wrong. And when it goes wrong, I am willing to take it. At the same time also, I'm able to withstand the losses. If the bad events happen, then I think it's a good decision to make. Mm, 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 right? 
So on the contrary, a poor decision is basically is you just basically get attracted by the big headline numbers of the type of returns that you make. You don't really understand how you do it, but you keep hearing a lot of people are doing it and they make so much money out of it. That is a bad decision because you don't know yourself well enough. But it's so common in finance. Right? Everyone sell you the next big thing, the next big headline, next yeah. big ETF, you know, this private investment, that placement, there's all sorts of stuff yeah. going out there. Yeah. It's so common, you know, your colleagues are cannot. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it is not easy to, to solve, mm. right? Mm. It comes back to behavior, mm. right? But I must say, compared to where the industry has started many, many years ago, at least what is happening right now is with social media, there are a lot more participants that are helping in the financial literacy world. They believe very strongly. I mean, namely, mm. what you guys are doing. Of right? course, yes, yes, to, yes, to yes, do yes, that. yes, yes. I will win the next Star Award. Just say. <laughs> <laughs> Well, so I think I, that that element actually in the name of trying to push for financial literacy help people to understand a bit more. But you see, you can't run away from behaviors of greed and fear. Mm, mm. Not very easy we're to We're not relinquishing well. the individual's responsibility. Yeah? yeah. Yeah. But also just recognizing that, you know, with more talk, you know, and, and more information going around, yeah. uh, it does on some level change the industry, right? The industry mm. on some level, bopien, ah, yeah. <laughs> information too, too out there. You have to keep to certain standards. True. Ah. Mm. Well, I mean, if, if you look at the Singapore financial industry, mm. it's, it's highly regulated. It is, it is, it is. Uh, there's a lot of standards on right there that's yeah. been put license in place. License hard to get. Many and, layers. And to a certain extent, uh, if you look at the way how the delivery of recommendations are done on the right, mm. there's a lot of work that comes within the industry the people that are providing it, the regulation side of it, the other participants, all right, to make sure that consumers have more confidence in dealing with buying financial products with the right licensed operators. You know, because you are you are knee deep in the space, right? Or mm. you were knee deep. Maybe you will yeah. go back in. Like, we don't know, mm. right? You were knee deep in the space. What is one thing that you know, as a retail person, like I don't know, at the back, regulators do this and all that mm. that that protects my interest. What mm. what is something that you can share? Okay, so maybe we yeah. go there. I'll, I'll, I'll talk about that later, right? Mm. But I would like to share with your audience right, is there's a difference between financial advice and product advice. Ah, okay? Okay, okay. So in, going there. in this industry, mm. most of the providers are giving you a product advice. Mm. Very far and few provide financial advice. And what is the difference between two? Financial advice right, is an organization or an individual right, that really look at your financial needs. They go to the extent of understanding your finances, understanding your goals, knowing what you have and what you don't have, right? And then they come up with a financial plan for you. That is what I would deem as giving you the financial advice to tell you whether are you borrowing too much or you're saving too little. And then against the goal that you want to go, how realistic is it for you to be able to reach where you go? Mm. So that is usually club as financial advice. Product advice basically is it is deemed that you know there's something that you want already. What they will try to do is to see that whether that product on right fits the risk that you are comfortable taking. Mm. So most of the providers in Singapore do this part. Mm. So when you are engaging with any of the uh, consultants or bankers or, or agents, <laughs> right, mm -hmm. you just to be, need to be mindful with that because it is unrealistic as a consumer that you are expecting the person to give you financial advice mm. where the person 
but actions are, is only giving you product advice. So you turn one round and say most financial advisors are not giving financial advice. It's not to say they're not giving financial advice, but it's just basically when you go to them, right, you're seeking for product advice. Mm. You're asking what is good to buy. No, but if I, if I go to them seeking for financial advice and they give me product advice? You need to be very clear. Mm. Are you going for financial planning? Or you're going to say that, you know, what is good to buy? Based on the market view, right? What is the investments that I need to look for? Mm. But do you think a lot of financial planners or financial advisors or even bankers, they, they come to you mask as financial advice by actually just giving you product? Uh, no, because there's a distinct difference between the two. The process of doing financial advice comes with the output of a financial plan. But product advice is very different. Product advice is basically, is they will still ask you some of the questions, but it relates straight away into a solution mm-hmm. because they say that based on your risk appetite, mm-hmm. right? These are the few done right that more or less is suitable for, for you. Mm-hmm. Right. So that's the distinct difference. Yeah. Great. 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 I think there's a beauty in what you just pointed out, right? In terms of financial advice and product advice, right? Or like mm. like, you know, the what are you going for, right? It's quite different. So if you're trying to coach someone into be discerning of these things and like having a step by step kind of methodology to towards making better decisions, right? What what are some common things that people should be aware of when they are in the personal finance space trying to make like what the hell is going on in this thing okay so first thing it starts with what you have how are you spending your money mm. it's as simple as that today are you spending more than what you earn and fix that as a fundamental so this is where the basics of uh using credit cards all start to come in don't borrow too much all right mm. to fit your current lifestyle because you're confident that your future income can pay for it. You're rolling. You're rolling. Right? So be very mindful of that. So simple rule is basically is you spend less than what you earn. From there, then whatever excess you have created on, right? Then it's a question of how then do you grow this money to planning in such a way that in the future, you have more than what you have today that can pay for that type of expenses that you need in the future. For example, for yourself, it may be like, okay, I plan to go on a big, big trip. Mm. Maybe when I hit a particular age on right, I want to take a break. Probably want to spend about one year, right? See the world. Mm. I'll buy a caravan and drive to London. Ah, right. Yeah, so yeah, <laughs> those are certain maybe life aspiration moments that you want to fulfill. Mm. And the practical part is you need to be prepared financially for it. Mm. Right. The last thing you should do is take your credit card and then start swipe, 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 swipe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then say, okay, I'm going to go on my, mm. my round the world trip, right? That's not prudent mm. because you create another problem after the trip is over. Mm. Then you'll be laden with so much debt. So then you need to be able to find a way how to be able to grow it. Simplest rule of thumb is like what we said just now, right? Buy something, right? That you know how it works. Be comfortable with the risk that you're taking. And then most important thing is just basically you know, right, understand two things. Nah. The time duration, how long you're prepared to let it grow. And also understand that this thing that a lot of people are saying, right? Believe in the compounding effect. And for all you know, right, the type of instruments that you will choose to buy, uh, they're very basic stuff. Mm. It doesn't have to be very, very sophisticated. Buy unit trusts that are globally diversified, global bonds and all those as simple as those things are run, right? That provides you with the ability for the investments to grow over time. Mm. They're well diversified enough, run, right? That fits into your risk appetite, run, right? That you don't want to take so much risk. And it has a compounding effect mm. of growing in. Mm. And to be able to regularly put money in. No? Because one of the things that for people like myself who have seen so so much over the years, <laughs> and right, the best time to be investing, run, right? Is when you have excess money, you don't really need this money for a very long term. 
And then it happens to be during that time there's a lot of market movements. Mm. And those are opportunities that present good time to start investing in something that is very well diversified and allowing for the skill of the investment manager right, to be able to grow that money over time. And we have seen so many big market situations that has happened over the years. Right? And the recent one was actually what we have seen last year. Mm-hmm. But if you have an investment horizon of five years and all those, right, to be able to buy some of those well-diversified funds, right, you will be surprised on the result that you get mm-hmm. uh, five years down the road. Mm-hmm. Then why are there so many fancy full product? That is because consumer likes novelty. You sure not supplier need to sell something? Well, in the age of consumerism, the market demand for consumers is, I want something new. I want something interesting. You give me boring stuff, I'm not interested. Mm. So unfortunately, the world got caught into all these things. Right? But if you look at the true essence right, of the, the things that really, really work time in, time out, right, are just basically the simple, seemingly boring type of stuff. But unfortunately, the consumers find that it's unexciting. Right, so it, it it created this particular uh scenario law that the financial world or have to constantly find innovations, all right, to just basically keep with that novelty or something new that the, the the consumer needs. So essentially, there's no need for a sectorial fund. There's no need for all this, you know, multiplier within within some of these funds, and no need to leverage none of these. All those things you think as an average consumer, you don't need to care. Yes and no. Huh? Okay, what do I mean by yes and no? Again, when we look at the world today, right? The number of people right now that has surplus savings because we live fortunately in this part of the world, right? Where our economies continue to, to grow. A lot more people have a lot more investable savings already, right? And at the same time also, you have different people who have different level of investment needs, mm. right? So there are some of them would need this type of tailored instruments, more modular that caters to their needs. Who land? What, what are the people that... that it depends. I mean, it's hard to be able to say it, right? Yeah. But in general, the more well-diversified one, right, is a very good basic step to start. Mm. But as you grow your wealth, it becomes larger and larger and larger. You'll probably want different type of variations, right? Because of your familiarity with the investing part. Mm-hmm. And then you're comfortable taking a point of view that you think that this industry, you feel that you will grow... Maybe you work in the industry and then you say that, okay, I think I'm a lot more comfortable with this industry because I know the industry well. I work in the industry. Then you might want to participate a lot more than, in that part. So it provides that, that variety. But for anyone who has started it, right, it's good enough to have something that's basic. So it's like shoes. Huh? Mm. right? You start with a simple pair of shoes. Huh, right? Mm. Then after that, when your lifestyle change, wow, you don't want to go running. I right? say, hey, my walking shoes, can mm. I use for running? I need a good pair of running shoes because... I want to start to train for my half marathon and full marathon, right? And you can't be wearing a dress shoe mm-hmm. for it, right? So there will be things like this, all, and then you play certain type of sports, right? You want a shoe right, that cater for that sports, playing tennis or playing badminton or whatever. Mm-hmm. So that is where it will cater for the needs of different groups of uh, uh, people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But in general, whatever you just shared is, is good enough for a start. For me, it's a good enough start for any well-diversified global equity funds, global bond mm, funds. Mm, mm. Because at the end of the day, our biggest investment that we should make if we are all working on, right, is our career. Mm, mm. Right? Which if you can we, find out in part one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, which is actually our career, right? We should be spending most of our time there because that gives us the ability to be able to create, mm, right? Mm. And it's within our control. It is our skill. It is our time. But there are certain things when it comes to investing. Unless you are in the investment world and you can do it, 
then fine. But most of us are not. So the best way to be able to do it, right, is to find somebody that is doing it on a full-time basis. Mm-hmm. And start something that is very well diversified, that allow the person, right, who is very familiar with the market, right, or the investment companies and all those, right, to manage it for us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or, or eventually, over time, you build up some confidence, then you say you yes. take a point of view, right? Right. So yeah, let's say, yeah. for example, right, I, I like you, what you, you grow your career in the tech industry, mm-hmm. you go to a more senior position, you can understand the dynamics of it and then you can see certain trends that are emerging out of it. Mm, mm, mm. You say, yeah, and then I want to put a bit more money there mm. because I understand the industry. And then, yeah, you, you go and buy all those stocks that you think that will do well. Uh. Mm, yeah. mm, mm. Fair, fair. I, I, I like that thought process. I like mm. it. I like it a lot. Mm. Yeah. But then, uh, when it comes to like making decisions in, in finance, right, there, there's this word that gets thrown around, right, which is risk. And that's the part that gets very iffy, right? Because it, it's not just a pure technical, logical term. There's a lot of emotions that are packaged into it, mm. right? At least from the from the masses point of view, like, like for, for the retail crowd, that, that, you know, mm. there's a lot of emotions bound. I know when, when the financial guys talk about it, very technical one, this thing, risk is a number, right? There's a mm. very technical element to it. But when we are investing, you know, or putting our money, risk can be quite emotional. So how should I understand risk as part of my decision-making process? Okay, you're right to say that, you know, it's a very complex definition uh, mm-hmm. when it comes to how the financial sector is trying to show an uh, average consumer, right? But I think the industry is trying as hard as it could to simplify. And the way to simplify is very simple. Uh, how much are you willing to lose uh, mm-hmm. if you are putting X amount of dollars? So if mm-hmm. you're investing $10,000, how much are you willing to lose? Mm-hmm. I think that's the simplest way to, to describe risk already. Mm. Are you willing to lose all of them or you're willing to lose a percentage of it? And what they will try to do is to decipher from here on, right? To see, okay, which type of investment instruments on and right? When we look at the past history, usually they will go as much as what you're willing to take. Mm. But that mm. is based on uh, average, based on history. Mm. Yeah. Mm. But I think the way how we look at risk, if you look at it from this, this point of view on and right, it's something that we need to explore a bit more. Because we should take it as a way that if I, I can understand this, I know how to generate the return. Mm. No different from, I think, the business world, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, where a lot of uh, successful entrepreneurs, when we look at them from the outside, right, we think that they take a lot of risk. But actually, they are not. They are very prudent in taking risks. They know how to find opportunities to get the growth. Either they know how to produce the product as cheap as possible and can sell it at the highest price and still give the good quality, or they go into a new space where there's a very big demand, no one is offering it. So I think similarly, when it comes to the investing world, right, maybe one way of looking at the choices that we have right, is to understand how the returns are generated. Mm. Because when you understand how the returns are generated, then you know whether is it risky or not. Mm, 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 okay so mm. for example simplest uh, definition right banks right? a lot of people say oh bank make a lot of money mm. right is uh, it true depends on the bank <laughs> <laughs> well very political but yeah. I, I, but <laughs> it's true right it depends on the bank right because you have good banks uh, yeah, you have a very good group of people mm. running it and you have some of them that made terrible mistakes of late but there's a general understanding around right that banks make a lot of money so it's good investing in banks the question is basically this is if you know beyond just that bank make a lot of money and you know how banks make money to a certain extent it gives you a bit more comfort around right that oh then I know how they manage the, the risk to make money mm. 
Mm. Right? Then you go a bit deeper, right? To understand, okay, under what situation that we will go very wrong. Mm. So because of that, uh, you empower yourself with that knowledge already to be able to do it. But that requires a self-interest. Uh. You need to be interested to learn. Uh, yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah. To be able to do it. And I think today, with the podcast that you have created and all those, there's a lot of materials. Mm. Right? Mm. You just need to stick with one channel mm. and then you learn along the, the way. Mm. And then you'll be more enlightened uh, mm. over time. Mm. Yeah. Fair, fair. Because I think there's a lot of people that just compare returns to returns. Mm. You know, in the sense of like, oh, you put in the bank, fixed D, gave you 1%, you invest, you mm. get 8%. Yeah. You know, like, it's like, hey, what are you doing here? All right, you should yeah. go somewhere else. Correct. Yeah. So leading to that, right? right yeah. The question that you should ask on, right, is how is the 8% generated? Mm. Because that is part and parcel of coming back to the word risk. Mm. But it's just that I'm framing it a bit differently is to say that if you say that you're going to get the 80%, how are you getting it? Mm, mm. If you cannot understand how the 8% is generated or the answer that is given to you, it doesn't really make sense, make sense mm. right? then you should step away from it already. Mm. That is actually risk management. Don't buy into things that you don't understand. Okay, okay, interesting. So then what are some common scenarios that you, you see? Because I, I think a lot of people, when they think about risk, right? You, you very, very often you hear this line, one, oh, I'm very risk averse. I want to invest very safe one. Okay. You know, or even the converse is also true, you know, in a sense of like, oh, I, I okay, one, I all sorts of risk, I also can take one. You know, mm. and I often feel like these people are oversimplifying it and also like they don't fully appreciate it. That's why they will take these kind of positions. Mm. You know, very extreme. Okay. Mm. So that is where a good financial advisor comes in, mm, mm. right? Is to be able to ask. It's no different. La. I say, mm. oh, how are you? Mm. Say, okay. La. okay la. Mm. Right? But a good advisor, right, will try to find mm. more than that. Mm. What do you mean by okay? Mm. Right? So in the world of investing, right, it's just basically say, oh, you're risk adverse. Why are you risk adverse? Mm. Right? And it's to get to the, into that conversation, right? where the advisor can understand a bit more when they say that risk adverse, what does it mean? Mm. Because sometimes, right, when they say that I don't want to take a lot of risk, right, more often than not, right, it's because of a bad experience. Mm. Share, share me more. I mean, we all hear news about people losing money and all those things, right? And the person may have lost some money out of it. They say, no, 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 I don't want to take any more risk already. But if you do not ask more than why you're risk adverse, you will not know. Mm. And I think a good financial advisor knows how to coach your client on how to overcome that bad experience and is to understand a bit more about what actually went wrong with that situation. Is it because at that point of time, you were just, this was money that you were already prepared to set aside to invest, to grow, and you're quite prepared to lose the money at that point of time. That is what you thought. But in actual fact, when you really lose the money, then you were like, hey, Eh, not like that one. Ah, right? <laughs> Although you say, okay, now, now, I can take risk on uh, because at the time, everything was very good. Uh, 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 right? So it can be those things. Then, then a good advisor then will start to coach the client right, a bit more about, okay, how then do you balance between the ability to take risk and the willingness to take risk? Mm. It takes time, but that is where if you are a consumer, right, and you are feeling that this person knows how to understand you a bit more to work on this, you better stay with the guy really. Because he is making an attempt to understand you a bit more and he's sharing a bit more right, to help you get past through this stage. Mm. Because like it or not, right, if we are too risk adverse uh, and we have so many sitting in cash, it doesn't work well for you over time. There's so many evidence that we can see on prices. Mm. Price of cinema tickets, buying our, our chicken rice and all those, right? Crazy. It will yeah. never be the same run. It will continuously go up. You mm. cannot run away from it. 
if you continue to put your money into cash, the price of your chicken rice will go up, right? You would, you will use a lot more of today's money, right, mm. to pay for something tomorrow. Mm. So therefore, you need to be able to find a way to be able to grow it. Mm. Yeah. Fair, fair, fair. I, I get it. Even auntie know inflation. Tong ho pong zhang Auntie also know that you know this is a common idea, yeah. right? Right. Mm. Okay. So then, as someone that's been in the industry twenty over years, thirty years, you know, and now that you are temporarily out of it, and liberated, liberated. Right? <laughs> so what are some things in the industry that you feel as a smart consumer, you know, of financial products or as a smart investor of financial products that I should be aware of. That it's very common in the industry. Everybody do these things, say these things, you know, but you want to like on some level warn the buyer a little bit. Number one is like what we earlier have talked about, right? Understand the role of the person that is actually talking to you. Mm. Is he giving you a product advice or is he giving you a financial advice? And know what you are getting into. Mm. Two is basically you need to know what you are buying. Although the person is helping you to describe what it is, you need to know it also and not over-rely on the individual because it's your own money at the end of the day. What the person will do for you, he is making as the best attempt uh, to understand your risk level. Mm. So this leads into number one, how then do you acquire knowledge? Mm. The whole financial literacy part of uh, knowing how to grow your money. And I think that is where I would advise your listeners right, to find channels la, that the delivery of what they are sharing with you, it resonates with you. Don't get too carried away with, wow, oh, I can make money for you. You should be buying this and all those. But what if that resonates with them? My advice is you you stay away with that first. Mm. You go back to a person right, that you can connect with over the phone screen, right? Mm. They is sharing some some things right that makes sense to you. Mm. Alright. And then after that you you learn more from that channel. Yeah, yeah. Mm. And and over time you become more discerning, right? You Correct. learn to become more Then you more can discerning. expand it a bit more to go to the more advanced channel, right? Mm. They will start talking about wow, very complicated technical analysis, mm. la, you know, buying into different things, right? Then you will go there. Mm-hmm. Right, so you go there at your own pace. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you have a channel you want to share with everyone that you think is good? Uh, stay tuned. <laughs> <laughs> I'm okay, not saying okay. I'm creating yeah, anything. Yeah. Yeah. Coming. Yeah, but coming. this is uh, yeah. Stay yeah, tuned yeah. to register uh, future stay tuned. products. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. You know, good things are coming <laughs> your way. Good things are coming your way. Great, great, yeah. great. Okay, so and and I I think got got another element that since you talk about it in this way, right? I wanted mm. to ask you like, who do I then decide that I can trust? Because sometimes I feel trust is misplaced, right? Like people trust people that are like them or people trust people that are like, make them feel good and all that. But when you're making financial decisions, sometimes it's really not these things, you know, it's like it's how good this person is, you know, like the insights and the things that they carry, the rigor that they have. How do you kind of work through all these different metrics to decide, okay, who I can trust my money with? Singapore? is a place and run, right? That there are a lot of, I wouldn't say safeguards, but there's a lot of work that has been done, right? To make sure that the industry is providing a good level of advice. But most of the advice that is provided are product advice. And there's a lot of things that is happening behind the scene to make sure that whoever that's providing it and right can do it to the best level. Mm. And they are regulated. If the provider cannot comply with this, there will be consequence. And it is in the act. It's called the Financial Advisors Act. Mm, mm. Right? So we are dealing with a market, at least in, in Singapore, right? That you have this certain level of expectation that we have to give to our clients. Mm. I think at this point of time, right, is you can't run away from behaviors. Mm. The natural attraction for greed and the fact that when things don't go well, heighten of fear goes up. Because behavioral science is you feel pain twice as much as you feel gain. Mm, mm. It is like that. 
it's hard to be able to answer la, about trust. But um, all I can say is, this is a country where the providers that are giving you all this advice on right, right, they have to meet a very high level of standards. Mm. And their standards keep going up over time. Mm. With the main intention right, is to protect the consumer right, from not getting into a situation that they start to lose trust in who they are offering mm. to. But again, it's human behavior. And certain times when it comes to human behavior, right, it's very hard to be able to predict. Mm, mm. Yeah. So there's no issue with the sellers or... I would say there's no issue with the sellers, mm. but it's a two-way thing. Of course, I think we, we yeah. address the one-way thing, yeah. right? the one-way part of like the individual greed and all that, mm. right? But but what else? You know, like sellers also got some weird, weird things right out there that they do. Well, it depends on mm. uh who are the who are the sellers. Yeah, exactly. Right? That's why I think yeah. it's like how do we so decide? So it, it, it comes yeah. back to is the person giving you product advice? Mm or the person is giving you financial advice. Mm-hmm. Which you think is rare, financial advice. Financial advice is rare. Okay. okay. Yeah. yeah. Stay tuned. Right. Today's episode is sponsored by MAS. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not working for <laughs> MAS. <laughs> I'm not. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. okay. Fair, fair, fair. I get it, I get it. I, I, yeah. I love it, I love it. Okay, yeah. so how do you look at someone, you know, knowing what you know, and like, when someone comes to you, you ask them all the questions, how do you know that they have a good plan? I'm sharing with you my own experience, Thank right? You. So yes. when it comes to a stage of I'm trying to define my own path, obviously it's important to give myself the comfort and also my wife and run, right? That financially we are okay. Mm. So I had the opportunity to speak to a financial advisor, mm. right? That walked me through the, the process. But it is a process that I'm very familiar with because I mean, I'm in the industry. But what made a lot of difference on right is basically the person himself, what he values. I'm able to see the values that he holds very dearly to him as a professional financial advisor. Mm. And that values is actually quite similar to his own personality. Mm. So it's not a mask. It is actually the person himself. And I think the good thing is basically is the person knows my background. Mm. But he is able to tell me certain things on the right that make me start to think of, oh, I may have got it wrong. And he is brave enough to be able to do that because why he's he's doing his role. Mm. And knowing that, you know, even though I am in this industry for very long, I may not know everything. Mm. And he he presents that part. And he just doesn't agree with whatever that I want to do. And I think that is where I felt that, you know, this is the guy for me because he doesn't agree everything I say. He keeps saying that you shouldn't be doing certain things. Mm, mm. Yeah. So he gives me a very good dose of reality. Mm. And that's very reassuring mm. that I know that, you know, he is really looking at my interests mm. rather than just basically producing something that will then lead into him wanting me to buy something. Mm, mm. So that's very, very different. Last question, right? Mm. How do you decide that based on the advice that's given, mm your previous position is inferior to the new position recommended. He wouldn't say it's inferior, but the thing is basically is I needed validation and he was able to be able to describe all these things with me. And I find it's very refreshing. I mean, sometimes, you know, when you see a, a, a particular specialist or whatever, they can tell you there's certain things that you don't really need it. Mm. Why are you overspending money on certain things? Mm. Do you really need what you want? So there are very far and few people uh, that is able to tell you no, this is not good for you. Right, rather than just okay lah, never mind lah, be try lah. Since you want it, I give it to you. Mm. Yeah. Thank you. Thank Most you. welcome. Nice. Lovely. Yeah. Lovely. Stay tuned all the way after this quick notes for our personal money question segment. 
Before that, I hope you've learned something useful today. Join our Telegram group, follow us on our socials, and check out thefinancialcoconut.com. I got three questions that I will ask everybody. Sure. Number one is, what has been your best and worst investment you've ever made? Best investment that I've ever made is my family. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's a, another season of podcast. Yes, yes. <laughs> that one cannot open. Uh. That, that can open. Uh. Keep going already. Yes. I bring tissue paper. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I bring tissue box. I set out the tissue box. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Best okay. investment is my family. Okay. Yeah. And worst? Worst in- investment is uh, buying something what my tailor friend told me. Your tailor friend? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's one of those uh, painful life life lessons. Thousands right? of dollars worth of suit, is it? Like? No, uh, mm-hmm. it was the height of uh, pre-Asia uh, financial crisis. Oh, Everybody okay. was just basically investing. and uh, Because I used to hang out at the tailor friend's place. Mm-hmm. So that guy was so into investing and run right forget how to tailor uh. every day just invest yeah, and then suddenly <laughs> became a stock pundit run right and he has a character right that oh. knows how to convince you although he doesn't know the thing mm. right and we got carried away la. we all like okay la. then we just put and then mm. yeah, after and that then, the stock market crash <laughs> yes yes uh, welcome to the story of the life of yeah. many people of that generation <laughs> uh, next question is what is one thing under $100 that has been a game changer for your life actually I would say that it's my start law, yeah. the, the allowance that I had Oh. That, that was ah. contributed by my uh, contributed by my my relatives and my friends okay yeah. so it's, it's not about what you spend but what other people spend on you yeah great great shout out to you huh? kampong mm. effort eh. yeah. it's a legit kampong effort eh, right <laughs> last question one place you learn that you think is underrated right you want to share with everybody it can be a particular book a website or YouTube channel or podcast wow yeah, one thing, anything, it don't need to be finance related. Okay, I, I share about the latest one, ah, uh, right? Okay, okay, uh, yes. It's this thing called the all-in podcast. Ah, uh, uh, uh. right. So Shamaf. they call them the, mm-hmm. the, the besties. Uh. Mm-hmm. So I find that that one is really, really interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, All four of them, like Shamaf, yeah. and who are the other three? Shamaf, David Sachs, Jason Kalasis, and mm-hmm. uh, David Friedman. Yeah, yeah, it's okay. One day I'll be even more all in, right? We'll double down. Yeah, podcast, you'll double right? down. We'll call it double down podcast, yeah. right? And the all in guys have to come. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for your time. Thank you very much for your time, Rachel. Lovely. Yeah. Lovely.